0: What's up everybody? Hope you're doing great. So glad that you're here. Uh, Those of you watching online, thanks so much for worshiping with us. And I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up. We're going to be taking communion at the end of the service. So if you're online and and you're uh, wanting to participate in that, we just would encourage you to get some elements ready. And and those of us here in the auditorium, we'll have those available for you uh, towards the end of the service. But man, I'll tell you what, uh, these are crazy times. It's interesting. And I also see God moving. Uh, Don't you see God moving when we open our eyes and we're open to him? He does amazing things, and so I just wanted to tell you, like I love you guys so much. God loves you so much. We love you from Pastor Nicole and I. Like we we just love you. We're passionate for you. But those of you that aren't yet here in person, we miss you. We miss you big time. We understand that there's distancing, and, and you got to feel comfortable to come. But man, we miss you big time. For us here in the auditorium, you know, it's, things are starting to get a little crowded. We're trying to do our social distancing, but we just we're we're needing more people to come back to church. Our our, our teams that are are serving uh, are a little bit thin right now, but we've got to have more people serving in order to continue to expand because we've got to go back to two services eventually. We've got to launch our kids department eventually. So just FYI, I mean, we miss you. We love you. We hope that you, at some time soon... Feel that you are comfortable coming back and being connected because there is nothing like corporate worship in person. You know, online is great and amazing. It's a great outlet for us. But for us as a, as a church, God makes us the body of Christ to be in relationship with each other. That I can smell your breath and you can smell mine. Like we've got to be that close, you know, with each other and being careful. And, and, but that's how God designed us, to be in relationship with each other. And so we're in a great, great series And and just FYI, like, I don't want to smell your breath. That's just an example, right? Is that okay for me to say, like, we've got masks on, like, mine's got a filter, so we're good. Um, But man, we're we're in a great series right now on apologetics. Uh, And so we're talking about having unshakable truth where we can defend our faith in this modern world, in this modern time, in this modern era. because we need to be able to do that. I hope that you feel that. I hope that you're experiencing that because we need this because people are hurting. There are so many people that are hurting. Over the last several decades, you can see in our culture that there has been a shift away from God. Uh, People are moving away from God, and that's not right. That's not good. That's not good for you and I. That's not good for the church. It's not good for our community. Many people are doing this, and as a result of disconnecting from God, people are losing their innocence. They're feeling distance from others. They're becoming more self-focused, more than ever before. They're disregarding other people and and, and only focusing on themselves. They're offended by everything. And a lot of people are even losing hope in the future. You see this because so many people are becoming cyber-focused. Virtual reality is becoming all that they see and all that they experience. and, and, And it's proven as a result of that only looking at screens, only being by yourself, we, we feel isolated. We do so badly. And as a result of being isolated, we get lonely. We get depressed. We get down. We've all felt this. You know, and I know the last several months have been really, really challenging. And so we've got to get to this place where we can connect with each other. Because, man, the, the, as, as people have been disconnecting towards God, there's other statistics that are rising. Like divorce has risen, suicides in our nation. Like that's terrible. We want the opposite. We want God to move powerfully. But the thing that I continue to hold hope on, hope with, is that people that are hurting, they are very open to the good news. They're looking for answers. They're looking for a solution. And for those of us that are in Christ, we've got it. We've got the answer. And we have to be willing to defend and and talk about our faith and who we are. And, And so the best thing that you and I can do is to remain connected to Jesus. Even during these difficult times, it's like we've got to remain connected with Christ and who he is. We've got to be teaching our kids what it is to do that and what that looks like and show the love of Christ. So today, as part of this apologetic series, I'm going to be preaching all about Jesus, like all about our Savior, all about our Lord, because he's the King, he's the Lord. He is the central figure of Christianity. Like he separated time. And so it just is incredible because of who he is. And the thing that kind of perplexes me, though, is why are people embarrassed to mention Jesus? I'm the same way. You probably are, too. Why is it that we get embarrassed to bring up Jesus? I mean, people will talk about Buddha. We'll talk about Islam. We'll talk about psychics and card reading and New Age. But we get embarrassed to bring up Christ's name. And so when you mention Jesus to other people, or if you said, hey, I'm going to church this morning, what's the response? You know, if you're at school, if you're in class, or if you're at work, and you know, to to your neighbor, like, what do they say? What's the response? And and the thing that's interesting is there is no neutral position about Jesus. It's like mentioning sex. It either excites you or it makes you nervous. Like, that's just the reality. There's no neutral position. So when we use Jesus' name, it's either going to cause us to be excited And feel like we mention it in a worshipful way, or it's used as a curse word. It's just the the reality of who Christ is. And so we can't be neutral about Jesus because he's thought-provoking. He stirs our heart and our emotions. Like our spirit is, is gravitated towards him. He's the savior of our soul. And so in order to be able to defend our faith, we must know who our faith is in. And so we've got to believe in Christ to be able to make these bold declarations to others about Christ. And so when you read in Scripture time and time again, you find these incredible statements that are made from the writers. And so in the Gospel of John, John was one of Jesus' disciples. He starts off his entire book and he says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And so he's using a metaphor talking about creation. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus being the word ever since the beginning of time. And that's incredible to think about. Jesus always existed. I mean, when you and i begin to ponder that mentally that is profound that that's like that that should stir something inside of us it should also bring up some questions right there's just because of in our, in our humanness we're like what like how does that even work and so mentally we've got to get there and get to that place where we have god's wisdom and and then also yes there is an aspect of faith and understanding who christ is and so he existed from the beginning of time for those of us that are in Christ, you and I existed. God knew that we would be born. You know, when, when, our, when our mother became pregnant, they didn't know that we were coming until about nine months before. God knew you and I before we were formed in our mother's womb. And the same is true about Christ. And so we're going to be focusing on God. We're going to be focusing on Jesus. We're going to be focusing on the Word since the beginning of time because Jesus was talked about frequently in the Old Testament, before he was ever born. And so the first thing I want to share with you is that the Old Testament tells the story which Jesus completes. So when you look at Scripture, you understand him being the word. I mean, God writes the story for us as human beings, his plan for us. And there are incredible, significant prophecies about Jesus before he was ever born. You know, you and I, like our parents knew what, that, that we were coming nine months before, but the prophecies that were given about Jesus in the Old Testament, they are hundreds of years or thousands of years before Jesus ever came on the scene, before he was ever born. And so we've got to understand like how, who he is and, and, and putting our faith in him, that he truly is God's son. There were prophecies It just is amazing. I mean, let me, I just want to share just a couple with you, just in understanding our faith and being able to offend it. You know, you, you, you go back to the Christmas story and, and, the, and the birth of Jesus. Did you know that there is a prophecy about the, the, the place where Jesus would be born? It's in Micah chapter 2. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are. Are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. You know the song, "Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem." Like, yeah, I, I think I got that right. On, like, I'm totally on tune. But that's where this comes from. I mean, Bethlehem was was the place, and Micah was written 500 years before Jesus was born there. I mean that's amazing that's so incredible. We've got to understand this and it's so and then you get into other prophecies like Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1. It, it, the, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. This is Jesus. His mandate, his purpose, his calling. Isaiah wrote this 550 years before Jesus was ever born. I mean, think about this. Hurting from relationships, the bondage that we feel as people. It was prophesied that Jesus would be the one that would bring us the freedom that we long for and desired. And here we are in 2020. I mean, this was written like 550 B.C., And so to me, this is just, it's mind-blowing. Jesus is is a historical figure. He also is God's son. He also is our savior. And he had to lay his life down in order for that to happen. There had to be payment for our sin as people. And the thing that's incredible to me is there there was even a prophecy about how Jesus would die. In Psalm 22, verse 16, it says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Do you remember when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and the gang of people were coming in with clubs and swords and and, and with torches? Do you, do you remember when, when, when he was beaten, it literally the Roman crucifixion was, is one of the most brutal forms of crucifixion ever created, or one of the most brutal forms of capital punishment. And there all the people were mocking him. And the Roman soldiers were throwing dice for Jesus' garment because it says that his, his robe was, was made without seams. It was one gar- so they didn't want to cut it up, and so they literally gambled for his clothes. This is written. Hundreds and hundreds of years. This was written before crucifixion came, even came on the scene. That his hands and his feet would be pierced. This, like, this should just stir us and going, gosh, I, my, my, my faith in Christ is real. Jesus is real. He was prophesied about. He was talked about. So everything in the Old Testament points to the Messiah. That's exactly what Jews talk about. They talk about the coming of the Messiah. Now, some of them came to, to the realization that Jesus is truly the Messiah, and we hope and pray that many still do and will, because he is. When you look at all the prophecies and you stack them all up, Jesus is the only one that accomplished them all to fulfill the entire law of Moses. But the Old Testament speaks and talks about Jesus the whole time. And then so the second thing is just Jesus in the New Testament I mean, obviously, we can read the, the, the Gospels and the four Gospels and from their perspective and about Jesus' life, his ministry, his, the miracles. And, and w- there are many words that are frequently used in, in the Gospels, but one of them that's often used in talking about Jesus is the word amazed. where, where, where in many times, you'll read that the people were amazed at what he was teaching. They were astonished. Uh, they They were flabbergasted by what he was talking about. So everything that Jesus did was shocking. I mean, think about it. He shocked people all the time. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. When Jesus was 12 years old, just a little guy, sixth grade, he was talking to the priests. In Luke 2, verse 47, it says, all who heard him were, everybody say this with me, amazed at his understanding and his answers. Homeboy was 12, sixth grade. He already knew all the stuff, and they, all these grown men, these people that with incredible degrees and had gone through all this education, they were amazed and shocked at this young boy because of what he was understanding and what he was saying. And then you get an, additional examples on the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' longest recorded minute, uh, 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 sermon in Matthew 7 when he's wrapping up. Verses 28, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were, everybody say it, amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. It's, it's, inc- it's shocking when Jesus teaches, when he speaks. Because the other people that were teaching, they were what? They apparently seemed as though they were fake, or they, they didn't speak with some type of power or any authority. And you and I know when somebody's teaching and, and maybe they're a little shallow or they're just saying it because they're supposed to, and, but we know when somebody's genuine, don't we? we? We can recognize that almost instantaneously, and I think that's a gift of the Holy Spirit where he speaks to us and, and there's discernment you know, and understanding that, and, and so people recognize about Jesus and who he was, and, and, and time and time again, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but. But the religious leaders, they tried to arrest Jesus a number of times, but his time hadn't come yet, so they weren't able to do it. But this one instance, they sent some officers in John 7, 45. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? We have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded. So they went to arrest the guy, handcuffs, maybe a taser or whatever. I don't know what they, they brought, probably not a taser, but, but they're there listening and, and they're, they're, they're listening. They're going, You gotta be kidding me. We can't arrest this guy. Like, this, that would be so dumb. And so they walk back, you know, tail between their legs, sit back to their leaders going, no way, you've got to go hear this guy speak. And then they chastise them for making those types of declarations. But Jesus never bored anyone. He was shocking. He amazed people time and time again. He was thought-provoking and passionate and powerful. And so why is it that when you and I come to church services, we get bored Why? Why is that? I mean, we aren't bored when we're watching sports. So many people are excited that, that, you know, the sports are back in and they can watch them. I cheer louder at a football game than I do at church. Like, I'll admit, I do. Why is that? I just, I wonder, I wonder if we truly know Jesus because of who he is and who he was sent to be. Do we know him? Or are we just embarrassed by him? Or have we dumbed him down so much that he doesn't have the impact that he used to have? Are we so just embarrassed that we've squelched his true identity and we won't even bring him up anymore? Just, I wonder, it makes me think. And Now, I, I know, you know, here in, in the church services and stuff, we don't want to be distracting or draw attention to ourselves and we certainly appreciate that but man there are times when worship is very appropriate and so that's why we sing that's why we clap that's why we raise our hands that's why like it's okay to shout and be loud like it talks about that in scripture and in psalms like worshiping the Lord comes out and is expressed in various forms but I just I wonder if we've lost some shock and awe about who Jesus really is and who we're worshiping one of my uh, favorite passages of scripture, uh, I don't have this for you on the screen, but it just it's one that stirs me because I love to read. Uh, the callings of different biblical figures. Do you? Guys, I don't know if you like to do that or not, but, but so, like the one I'm talking about is in Exodus chapter 3, it's the calling of Moses, where Moses was just, you know, he was doing his thing. He was working, he was, you know, leading some, some goats and sheep and just doing his thing as a shepherd, and, and all of a sudden he's out in this desert area, and, th- and there's a bush, and it's burning, but it's not being consumed. Uh, miraculous. I mean, that would get our attention. And so the, the reason I love that so much is, you know, Moses has this interaction with the Lord. And, and I have those too. Maybe you do as well. Like, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? What, where, where, what's the direction that you have for me in my life? We ask God that all the time. And, and, and in this instance in Exodus 3, God, God's talking to Moses. And he makes this incredible declaration. And, and, and God says back to Moses, he says, I am that I am. And, you know, when we read that, we go, uh, What? And so, but we have to understand the magnitude of what God is saying. He's declaring Himself as the I am, that everything comes through Him. And the the reason I bring that up is because you have the same thing take place in John 8 when Jesus calls Himself the I am. And, And so, for the Jewish leaders that were there, they were so upset. They were, they were seeing him as blaspheming. Why? Because he was declaring equality with God. Jesus says, I am. Oh my gosh, you could, you, can you imagine their faces? Because they didn't, they didn't believe that Jesus was God's son, so they wanted to arrest him and kill him and get rid of him. And so when you and I come before the Lord and we're like, I need to be strong. Do you know what he says back? He says, I am that for you. When you and I say, oh, I, I need safety, I need comfort, do you know what he says? He says, I am your refuge. When you and I go, gosh, I, I need breakthrough in my life, I need wisdom, I need discernment, do, do you know what he says? He says, I am your redeemer. Jesus is the good teacher, he's the good shepherd, he's the, he's the vine, he's the, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He was born, prophesied about, born, lives a perfect life. And then dies a sinner's death on a cross, is buried, rises again miraculously, and then he goes to heaven. You ever read those, those parts in, in scripture, right? Jesus comes, rises from the dead. You ever wonder why he didn't stay? I mean, I, I know I do. Like, he, he comes and, and he ascends back into heaven. I'm like, oh, man, it would have been a lot cooler if he just would have stayed, you know, I, maybe that's just me, but why did he have to leave? And and so the disciples wondered the same thing. I, I, and so they spent years with Jesus, following him, and then all of a sudden he's killed. And and can you imagine how demoralized they were? I, I just I put myself in their shoes. I'm like, man, that stinks! What a waste! And and then he rises from the dead, and they're like, oh, like foolish me! And and so, but the thing that's incredible is Jesus was like the disciples were asking, and they're like, hey, aren't you going to establish God's kingdom? And the reason they were bringing this up is because at that time, Israel was under Roman rule. So they were talking about God's kingdom because they were talking about the the prophecy that God had given through Abraham and and, and the promised land and Joshua taking over the land again, right? So all those things, and and they're going, hey, you're the one, you're the Messiah, so you're going to reestablish us as a nation, right? And this is what happens in Acts of the Apostles chapter 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Witnesses Witnesses telling people about me everywhere in your own city throughout your county, in this nation, and around the globe. And so Jesus ascends to heaven and instructs the Christians. He's like, you've got to tell people about me. And so last week, I don't know if you were here or you watched online, but last week in in week two, I I said, hey, I want to challenge you to talk to three people about Jesus, about your faith, share your faith, maybe your neighbor, somebody at work, whatever. And so did you do that? Like I laid out a challenge and you know I'm the type of person I like challenges and I'll give challenges and so did you take that opportunity? It could have been a text, it could have been something social media, maybe social distancing, you shout at your neighbor from across the street, I don't know. You know, even if they're in their boxers walking around like it's cool, right? You can talk about Jesus like that. But so the thing that I love about this and and, and the reason I gave you that challenge is because that's our mandate, that's our calling. And and God didn't just leave us there. Jesus didn't leave to say, man, I, I hope you figure it out. He didn't do that at all. In fact, he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus was so clear that he felt like he had to leave so that we could have this Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And so this is incredible. You know, for you and I in our lives, we've got to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit because so many times we try and do something on our own. We try and use our own human intellect. We try and use our own strength and ability, and we're reliant upon ourselves. That's not what we should be doing when we're defending our faith and we're sharing our faith with other people. We should not try and depend on our own human reasoning. Like it, There's no way. Like we, can, we should be looking towards the wisdom that God gives to us and his Holy Spirit. I mean, me being reliant upon my own wisdom and ability would be like me trying to clear the church land with a spoon. I mean, right, so you have the church land. We're excited about it. You have, you know, you have trees and you have dirt to move. It would be like me just using a spoon to like dig around and move like all that land. Why do I use that example? Because I am so excited to share with you that in this next week or two, we will be clearing land and I won't be using a spoon. There's going to be bulldozers out there and we're excited about that. That's amazing. So, I mean, it's coming. We've had a little bit of a delay along the way with some different things and stuff. And those of you that have done construction before, and and like you know that that stuff happens, but man, I am so excited. You know, we signed all the paperwork and notice of commitment or commencement, and uh, we're so excited. And so, when you look at what this looks like for us as people, we're not looking at our own strength and our own ability. I mean, Jesus did all that he needed to do to purchase our freedom. And the Holy Spirit is the heavy machinery. But the thing that's so interesting, heavy machinery needs an operator. I'm excited about the bulldozers clearing the land, no doubt, to the front end loaders and stuff, and like that's amazing. But the Holy Spirit's the heavy machinery, and it requires an operator. And so you and I, our god's plan a for spreading the good news of jesus to other people and so we have to understand that in the new testament so the third thing that i want to share with you is it's time for us to get to work it is it is time for us to stop being bashful and shy being so concerned that we're going to offend people like it's people are going to get offended by jesus they are and that's unfortunate but we, that does not mean that we cannot proclaim the truth about who he is. I mean, what, what God could have done all by himself, he entrusts us to do. I mean, why? To be honest, most of the time when God does stuff, I don't know why. Like, I'm, I'm flabbergasted too. Like, I wouldn't pick me to do what I do. I just, I wouldn't. But he does he picks you to be who you are exactly where he's placed you with the sphere of influence that you have so that you would be light, so that you would be a little salty in a good way, like that you would share your love with, his love with other people. But one of the things that I've learned in the course of my life is when we want God to do something for us, those are the times when he usually wants to do something through us. Usually when we want God to do something for us, those are the times when he wants to do something through us. That's why God put us where we are for a reason. So when you think, God, you should do this, Maybe, just maybe, he's whispering in your ear through in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, Oh, that's why I put you there. You ever think that? Ever wonder? God, God, I, I want you to, 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 to talk to my friend and, and to show your love to my friend. Mm, that's why I put you in their life. God, I want you to heal my mom. Yeah, but have you laid hands on prayed and prayed for her like I, I said that you could do? God, I want you to to do something amazing in my business. Yeah, that's great, but are you seeking my wisdom in doing that? God, I want you to change my spouse. Well, actually, I want to do some work in you first. That's so so true, isn't it? In our life, time and time again, God, I want you to, to help me with this test. Yeah, but how much time did you really spend studying you know I mean, so he wants to do something through us. But just FYI, all, all, students, like, God shows up in those moments, no doubt, brings back memory. And, and so I just believe maybe God wants to use us. And so I believe it's time to get to work. And so when, when we understand what we're to do, this becomes transformational in our lives. And so the first key, though, is that we've got to be following Jesus, I mean, you often hear church people say, man, you've got to, have, you, you, you got to have Jesus in you. And that's great, and I get it. Like, having Jesus in our heart, like, it's so cute. And, you know, I grew up in kids' church, too, and it just, we love that imagery. You know, we got our heart and Jesus' faces in there and stuff. But scripturally, it actually talks about us being in Christ more than it talks about him, you know, being in us. So it's us being in him, us following him. You know, and I, believe me, I love conversions. I love having people raise their hand and in a prayer and, you know, committing to Jesus and, and, but gosh, please understand this. It is way more than, just, than us just saying this nice prayer of conversion. If you think that's all it is and it's like check the box and I, I get fire insurance from hell and I get to go to heaven, like that's part of it. That's incredible. But there is so much more. It's meant to be us following after him where we literally are in him in who he is. I mean, you have so many examples. He, gosh, when, when Jesus w- was walking along the way and, and he was calling his disciples, he goes to Matthew, right? Matthew writes the first gospel, but Matthew becomes one of Jesus' disciples. Why? Because Jesus stood there and he looked at him. He says, you know, Matthew, Levi, I want you to come follow me. And so Matthew was actually at his, te- his tax collector's booth. He was working. And it says in scripture that he literally got up and left everything that he had. <laughs> Think about what that means, all the money, the cash box, his life, his story, his family. He's like, I'll leave it all to follow you. And so when we're defending our faith towards other people, I would ask, what level of commitment have you truly made? Are you willing to leave everything behind? Because as Christ followers, for us to have unshakable truth, to be able to defend ourselves, to defend the Lord and who he is, we have got to have this firm foundation that Jesus is God's son, that our faith is in him, that we're, we're willing to push everything else aside and commune with him. And so I, I read this statement this week It talked about communion. It said, communion is the way that we remain connected to the power. And I was like, whoa, that just kind of gripped me. Communion is remaining connected with the power. So today, like as this incredible opportunity, we're going to take communion together. And so if you're here in the auditorium and you don't have communion elements and and you want to, if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you don't have these yet, if you could just slip your hands up, our our ushers would be happy to serve you. Those of you that are watching online, if you want to take communion with us, we, we would love to have that. But we've got to recognize communion is more than just this wafer and this grape juice i mean communion is us connecting with the lord and who he is where we literally wrap all that we are all ourselves and, and wrap it up in him that we are in christ and remaining connected with the power the power of the holy spirit it's not just these niceties that you and i get to do i mean it th- this is so significant that we get to ha- experience forgiveness of our sins We get to experience salvation. We get to commune with Christ because that's exactly what he was doing. When he was with his other disciples at the last supper, you know, they were partaking in the Passover meal, but this one was different. It was the last one that he would would spend with them. So he he takes out the bread and if you wanna, if you have your elements, if you wanna take this top layer of, of cellophane back, you can see that there's a wafer there. And so Jesus takes this and he says, this is my body. It was a piece of bread, and but previously he had, de- he had declared that he is the bread of life. And so we've got to understand, this is so important, that we can connect with him and commune with him, commune with him and who he is. And in the same way, he, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of your sins. And so I want to pray over these elements and pray for us that we would be able to have this connection with Jesus because of who he is. And so would you pray with me right now? Lord God, we come before you. And Jesus, we, we've just spent the last 30 minutes reading scripture about you before you were born. Uh, we, we, we were reading scripture about after you were born, the things that you said. We read about who you are and what you're to do and how you're to do it. And so, right now, we know that you are real and you're true. You're alive. You are still alive. You rose from the dead. You ascended to heaven. And now you're seated at the right hand of God, our Father. So, we lift our eyes towards you and we see you. Thank you so much for laying your life down, that you became sin so that we could have forgiveness and cleansing from our sin. Lord, that this communion would be different than any others we've taken before. Uh, God, that you would just empower us through your Holy Spirit to be able to to stand strong. Uh, And Lord, even with that, in us defending our faith, that we would have the unshakable truth, not that we can have these coy comments and, thought-provoking questions, but, Lord, that we would have the power of your Holy Spirit as we talk, as we share, as we just love on other people and encourage them, Lord, that you would use us in ways that we even never thought was possible. God, you're amazing. We receive you in who you are.